Thank you, Brother David, for keeping in the theme of our lesson this morning. At the Cross is the title of the lesson. I adjusted my microphone a little bit, so if I'm still a little bit loud, that's okay. <laughs> I'll fix it later. At the Cross, at the Cross. If you and I had been at the Cross, do you ever think about where we would have been? I know that's an interesting thought, an interesting question. I've had on the sign this week that, that I was going to approach four areas around the cross, basically. And we're going to get into those in just a minute. But when we sing this song sometimes, Alas, did my Savior die? That's a very familiar set of words to us at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. So today what I want us to do is I want us to journey back to the cross. I want us to, to place our minds and our hearts there. And I hope you have your Bibles with, with you today. We're not going to... We're not going to jump all over the Bible. We're going to stay in the Gospels today because that's where the cross is talked about the most. We're going to explore the different aspects of where the family, the friends, the disciples, the enemies, and others were on that cruel day on Calvary. The hill of Golgotha, the place of the skull. And like I said, I do want us to take our minds back and I handed out the little word find. If you look on the back of those little word finds for today's lesson, you'll see that, that there is a map there that kind of describes some of the area that is thought to be, and there is one pinpoint on there that says the traditional area of Golgotha. You can look and see how far away that was from the temple. You can look and see how far away it was from the Garden of Gethsemane. It's an interesting thought that when we look at the Bible and we, we see the picture that is painted for us, sometimes I place it too close. Now, we're not going to get into a geography lesson today. That's for another time. But if you want to take those maps home and look at them and you look at the, the, the Gospels and you can pinpoint where things happen. I think that's very neat to do sometimes because it is, it is interesting to know the actual intended purpose of, of the way the Gospels laid out for us. But let's take that journey today. Let's go back to Golgotha. Let's go back to the place of the skull. But as we're there, I want us to look around a little bit See if we can see ourselves standing there at the cross, even still today. So what are my four points of the, the areas that we want to look at today? And what I'm going to do, this sermon is set up a little bit differently for me. I, um, I, went, I went and divided this up into four parts, and then I brought it back into an application with three parts, basically. We're going to talk about being near the cross. We're also going to be talking about being in front of the cross. We're going to talk about being beside the cross. And then my dad asked me last night, he said, I don't understand your fourth one. And I explained it to him. I knew he wouldn't be able to be here today. Behind the cross. I want you to think about that as we go through. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at a lot of text. Like I said, we're going to stay in the Gospels, but I want us to go back and forth and look at the text describing the cross and seeing what all we can pull out from there. So we can see in, in, in the book of Luke, and I'll, I'll tell you where our main text is going to come from. We have Luke chapter 23. We have Matthew chapter 27. We have John chapter 19. And we have Mark chapter 15. That's where the main text is going to come from today. When I sat down a couple of weeks ago and I, I took my little red ink pen and I highlighted with my ink pen all of those that were at the cross, I had to go through all four Gospels to pick up everybody that was there. And we don't know everybody that was there. But I want to show you who, who we do know. Luke chapter 23, verse 27. And a great multitude of the people followed him. And women who also mourned and lamented him. 
So we can see from there that there were a great multitude. Now, no doubt in that multitude, if you think about when Jesus was teaching on the earth, it many times it was set in a great multitude followed him. So I have no doubt in my mind that there were many disciples that were following him that day. But I also know that, as we will see, there were many that were also there that weren't disciples. But those that were near the cross, the disciples, Luke 23, 27, now Luke has already mentioned it once, but Matthew chapter 27 verse 55 says, And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. Matthew chapter 27 verse 55. In Mark chapter 15 verse 41, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now we can see that there were many women. Now when I first think about the gospel stories, of being near the cross, and I want to keep that focus near the cross, I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You'll see why shortly. I think of Mary Magdalene because that's also described. I think of uh, Siloam, and also as mentioned, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Um, sometimes it's, it's listed as three Marys, and, and it gets a little confusing. I understand that, but I think when we look at the text, we can see who they were. Matthew 27, verse 56 among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Mark 15 to verse 40, there were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less and Joseph and Salome. John 19 and 25, and this is one of the most touching verses I think that there are in this description. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. We also know that the disciple whom he loved from the next verse, John 19 to 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And as we looked at around Mother's Day, the, the lesson that I, that I brought then, we also saw John there. And John was told to behold his mother. Jesus hands off that responsibility. But why is it important to know why they're near the cross? We're going to get to that in our application. So now let's paint that picture in our mind. These people are near the cross. What about those in front of the cross? You know, you're standing there and, and, and get back in your mind. We're visually there. We, we don't know exactly what the cross looked like. We don't know what Jesus looked like for an exact purpose. We don't know what the thieves on the cross looked like. We don't know what any of them looked like. But picture yourself standing there. Take the, take the symbolic pictures that are painted from time to time. And I want to look at who was standing in front of the cross. The centurion. Matthew 27, verse 54. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Mark 15 and 39. So when the centurion who stood opposite him, being in front of the cross, saw that he cried out, like this and breathe his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Then we see the ones that we think about often, most often, we see the mockers. We see those that were mocking Jesus Christ. Remember it had, it had above the cross their king of the Jews written in three different languages. Matthew 27, 39 and 40. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroyed the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Now can you picture yourself standing there and hearing, 
your next door neighbor here beside you saying these things to Jesus, the Christ. Mark 15, 29 and 30, and those who passed by blaspheming him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Mark 15, 35, some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling for Elijah, making fun of him. John 19, verse 16, then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. See, there's that, 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 that whole concept, that mindset of all these people that were ready to put Jesus on the cross. Ready to kill Him. They mocked Him. They blasphemed Him. Then we come to the soldiers. And no doubt those soldiers were mocking Him as well, but we've already seen one centurion soldier who, who was there. But Matthew chapter 27, verse 31, And when they had mocked Him, they took the robe off of Him, put His own clothes on Him, and led Him away to be crucified. Matthew chapter 27, verse 36, a few verses down. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. So, so these soldiers didn't just finish their job when they brought him up there. They sat down and watched him. They sat down and watched over him to make sure, I guess they were afraid he would come off the cross. I, I'm not sure why they were having to keep watch over him. In John 19, verse 23, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top and one piece, from the top and one piece. And a few verses down in verses 30 and 31 of John 19, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. You see, these soldiers had a, they had a distinct charge that they were to take care of. They were to make sure that, that A, the prisoners were taken to the cross. Those prisoners stayed on the cross or, or however you want to look at it. There was not some kind of reviling there that somebody would run up and try to try to take them down. You know, if you think about the old Western movies, you know, somebody was going to be hanged and here comes here comes the hero riding in on the horseback and he grabs the guy off the rope. You know, maybe that's what they're watching. I, I'm not sure. But they were also there to, as we saw, to, to jealously take Jesus' garments. You know, I often wonder why they want his garments. It doesn't say they took the thieves' garments. They just said they cast lots on, on Jesus' garments. And I often wonder why. If they didn't believe in his deity, if they didn't believe who he was, uh, he who said he was, why'd they want him? You know, I, th I think of the, 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 the concert, you know, and somebody throwing out a sweat towel or a sporting event and you see all these people jump up and try to grab it. I wonder if that's what they were thinking. I, I don't know. But paint yourself there this morning. But then they asked that the legs might be broken so that it would impede the death of those that were on the cross. Because, hey, we got better things to do. <laughs> Think about that. we got things we got to do. It's, a, it's the preparation of the Sabbath. We, we can't be here all day. Come on. Let's make this thing work. And we also see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 41, that the leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders were there. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking what the scribes and elders said, and it continues on. And in Mark, it says, Likewise, the chief priests also mocking themselves with the scribes said, He saved others himself he cannot save. Mark 15, verse 31. Well, I'll tell you what, if I, if I, had, to, if I had to stand there today, it's hard to believe what, what, what all went on, isn't it? 
We see videos on TV of people being persecuted. I mean, people even losing their heads recently because they are Christians. But can you imagine being in all of this hatred, all of this anger that the leaders, the soldiers, the people, they all just, they, they wanted this man dead. Well, that leads us to next to the cross. Very short rendition of who was next to the cross. It's in all four Gospels, though. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That was prophesied in Isaiah 53, verse 12. And that sets up the stage for us. That sets up the picture that we're painting here. We know that he's going to be numbered with the transgressors. And those transgressors are, are named in the New King James Version as robbers or thieves. Now, they may have been even worse vandals than that. They may have been malicious, you know, murderers. I don't know. But the Bible tells us they were robbers. Matthew chapter 27, verse 38, then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. Mark 15, verse 27, with him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. Luke 23 and 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 32. I misquoted that one. Uh, miscopied that one. Luke 20, I've got it right here. Luke 23, 32. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. That's when you get ahead of yourself copying verses. <laughs> John 19, verse 18. Where they were crucified, uh, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. John 19, verse 18. See, that, that paints us a, a picture. We, we can't get any visual besides that. We'll see Jesus in the center and we'll see a man on one side and a man on the other side. If you're standing in front of the cross, you can see that, can't you? If you're on the cross next to the cross, you can still see that. You can look over and see what's going on. What about if you're standing afar near the cross? Can you still see what's going on? I, I would think so. What about behind the cross? That's the one that confused my dad when he asked me about it. I want you to think about behind the cross because when we get into our application, it's going to make sense. Matthew 27, verse 32. Now as they came out, they found a man of serene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Mark 15 and 21, then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country, passing by to bear his cross. Luke 23 and 26. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on, them, on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea. We know the story, Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 through 61. I'm going to read that to you in whole. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in this new tomb which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there 
and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. I find it interesting that those two are named as well because it just shows that they were there as well. They were there in my point that I'm making behind the cross. And in John 19, 38, Mark 15, 43 through 47 tells a very similar story. But in John 19, 38, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Christ or of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus. John 19, 39, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. You remember this man, Nicodemus? Now go all the way back to the beginning of, of uh, Jesus' ministry there in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus comes to, to Jesus wanting to know what to do to be saved. And Jesus tells him, think about that, behind the cross. I know you may not quite get that just yet, but I want to explain that a little bit further. Now, as we see the four various levels of distinction, we've looked at, at the text. That's the majority of the text I'm going to give you today. If, if you need any references to it, I'll be glad to go back to it. But our main application text is going to come from Luke chapter 23. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. And as we see these four various levels of distinction of locale at the cross, let's take this time and focus on the Gospel of Luke and see what each of these might mean to us. And if we can identify where we ourselves are actually standing at the cross. What about near the cross? Look at Luke chapter 23. Verses 28 through 31. Luke chapter 23, verses 28 through 31. But Jesus turning to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? As we look at that, if we back up to verse 27, and a great multitude of the people followed him, and women also who mourned and lamented him. They were near the cross, but yet they stood at a distance. Look at verse 49. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. <laughs> Why did they stand at a distance? Give you a second to think about that. Did these people not love Jesus enough to be right there with Him? No. That's not the answer. Did they not want to see Jesus in His last hours? No, that's not the answer. They were there. They were near the cross. And, and you know, you could probably group Peter in that too because he's, he's over there, you know, denying Christ at one point. They're near the cross. They want to see what happens. They want to be near their Lord, their Savior, their Son. If you look at Mary, they want to be near enough to hear Him. And think about that. In John, it says that Jesus cried out to His mother and said, Mother, behold thy Son. They were close enough to be able to hear Him. But they weren't close enough because they were fearful. I wonder sometimes when I look at my life, if I'm standing near the cross because I'm too concerned about what will happen to me if I get too close. I wonder if people look at me and say, well, you know, he's standing near the cross, but he's not, he's not close enough. I can hear the words of Jesus, 
I can see them. Now, no means am I putting down these disciples. I'm just saying they feared for their lives. The Gospel tells me that. They feared that they might be taken, arrested. And I wonder sometimes if I'm not bold enough in standing up for Christ that I want to stay just outside. What about in front of the cross? Look at verse 48. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. You see, when they're, when they're in front of the cross, they're ready. Oh, you know, you're terrible. You're, you're a terrible man, you know. Won't you come down off of there? You know, they're mocking him. And they beat their breasts. I'm not going to do that because I'm probably scare you with the microphone on. But they beat their breasts and went back. They were proud to be there. They were proud to be putting Jesus on that cross. Proud to see Him die. I wonder sometimes if I'm not standing there with Him, beating my breast. Then I look at the centurion confession made in verse 47. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. You see, here's a man that's been hired, if you will. He's a soldier. He's been, he's been put with a charge to, to stand there in front of the cross. He doesn't have a choice. He's got to be there. That's his job. And you know, I wonder if he was one of the four that got the, got the clothing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't find that. But there he makes that confession. When he sees all these things happening, he says, that's a righteous man right there. So sometimes I do wonder if I'm standing there at the cross going, you know, that, that, that's a righteous man. What about beside the cross? You know, I heard in a lesson at Paulson Pulpit, one of the preachers there was talking about whenever you want to realize how low you really are, what kind of person you really are, what kind of man you are trying to share the gospel of Christ, put yourself beside the cross. <laughs> and then look up at Jesus Christ and say, here's who I'm preaching, here's what he did, here's what I did. Let that sink in. Because that's not just preachers. That's living a Christ-like life. If you're willing to stand beside the cross and say, look at my life, instead of glorifying Jesus' life. And that's what, you think about it, that's what the one criminal did, wasn't it? Look at verse 39 through 43. Actually, verse 50, I'm sorry. Um, well, I've got the wrong reference on that. But it's um, over here, let's just go over to the... Uh, uh, Father, forgive them. And the people stood looking, but even the rulers, when they sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is saved, uh, if he is Christ, the chosen God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering sour wine, and saying, You are the king of Jews. Save yourself. And an inscription also written over him. The letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now watch this in verse 39. Then when one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. You know, was he being sincere? I doubt it. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. 
And that's verses 39 through 43. And as we look at that and we see that there are two men standing there beside the cross. Now they are on the cross themselves, but they're standing there beside the cross. You've got one with an attitude of, of uh, you know what? You're nothing. You're nobody. And I wonder sometimes if I'm standing there on that side of the cross. But then we see the answer in the other criminal. The other thief, the one that knew he had done wrong. The one that admitted, I need to be on this cross. I'm falling under the same condemnation. What are you over there talking about? You have no right to talk about this man. Can you not see that he is the Son of God? Can you not see? And he says, Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me. I hope I have that attitude if I'm standing beside the cross and not the attitude of the other criminal. Not the attitude of look what I did. Look how I am. But let's talk about behind the cross. The confusing one. I mentioned Joseph. I mentioned Nicodemus. I mentioned Mary and the other Mary. Joseph not consenting to their deed in verses 50 through 56. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to the decision and the deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. The man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever laid before. That day was the preparation. The Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. You see, when I look at Joseph of Arimathea, I see him behind the cross. I see him wanting to stand behind Jesus Christ and say, that man is my Lord. That man is my Savior. And I want to do what I can for him. You see, folks, friends, that's the way we should be. That's where we should be when we paint this pretty picture of the cross. I think we need to see ourselves behind the cross. Not in front of it. Not near it. Not beside it. But behind the cross. Behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Proclaiming His gospel. Showing others what the world is about. Showing them how a Savior came and died on this vicious cross for our sins. And that's where we should desire to be. Too many times I find myself looking, looking at, at my picture of the cross, I find myself too many times on all three of those other sides and not enough behind. And we need to be behind the cross. You know, when you look at these songs we sing, and, and David has, has led uh, some of them already, we're going to lead a couple more, talking about the cross, painting the picture. I want you to remember there's one other person that was at the cross that is mentioned in John chapter 19, verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. See, when I look at that man, I can see that man all around the cross. I can see that man being there in front of the cross because that was his job. I can see that man being beside the cross because he's that criminal wanting Jesus to die. I can see that man being near the cross because he's awaiting his, his time to shine. 
but I can also see him behind the cross because without his duty, without him doing what he had to do, remember, go back and look at Nicodemus. Jesus told him what he had to do. He had to be born of the water and the spirit. How can we be born, Nicodemus said. How can we be born again? Friends, when Jesus poured out his blood, when Jesus' side was pierced and he poured out that blood, forth came water and blood. The same is in symbolism of baptism. The same is in what we do in baptism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll see it in Romans chapter 6. We'll see it all through the Bible, 1 Peter 3.21. The water saves us because we come into contact with Jesus Christ's blood. The thing is, is I'm that man sometimes pierced in the side of Jesus. Not in the fact that I'm ready to pour out His blood and water for the, for the sins of the world. No. I'm there because I'm piercing Him and I'm putting Him on that cross. I'm ready to, I'm ready to take Him away. And I know sometimes that, that that's the mentality that we get. Sometimes we don't even realize it. But sometimes it's what's keeping us from being the best Christian that we can be because we're standing there holding that spear. Just waiting. Just waiting for that cue. Okay, it's time. That's what sin does. Sin destroys us. Sin gives us that attitude. And that's where sin is today. Sin is at that spear. If you've been baptized, you may be holding that spear this morning. You may be ready to put Christ on that cross to fresh, nailing Him to that cross and sticking His side with the spear. Hoping that He'll die. If you've been that way, today's the day you can make that right. But if you've never named Jesus Christ as the Son of God at baptism, you must be born of the water and the Spirit. That's what Christ said Himself. If there's a need this morning, I beg you, I encourage you to think about the cross. Think about what Jesus came here to do. Think about all those that were standing around, near, beside. And think about how we need to be behind. And this morning, why don't you make that commitment? Why don't you make that commitment to Jesus? If you need to confess sins, if you need prayer of the church, we're here for you. But if you need to be baptized... Please don't leave here today. The water's ready. I heard it running earlier. It's ready. And God is ready. Is it your time to be ready? Why don't you come and stand while we sing?